Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. Are you ready to unlock the full potential and growth in your business? You've already crossed seven figures in sales, but the challenge is knowing how to take your business to the next level. Join Josh Hadley, an eight-figure e-com business owner and investor, as he interviews highly successful business owners. Get ready, because you're going to learn specific actions you can take today to help your business reach its full potential and leave a lasting impact on the world. Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hadley, where I interview the top business leaders in e-commerce. Past guests include Adam Heiss, Kevin King, and Michael E. Gerber, the author of The E-Myth. Today, I'm speaking with Brett Curry, the CEO and co-founder of OMG Commerce. And we are going to be talking a lot about different case studies from brands that Brett has worked with that have helped them explode their sales on D2C and Amazon as well. This episode is brought to you by Ecom Breakthrough Consulting, where I help seven-figure companies grow to eight figures and beyond. Listen, Brett, I started my business back in 2015, and it took me seven years to grow it to an eight-figure brand. I made a lot of mistakes along the way that made the path of getting to eight figures take a lot longer than it needed to. There were times where I doubted my abilities to manage the cash flow of the business, or did I have what it takes to, you know, implement all of these new marketing strategies and tactics for Amazon PPC or account optimization to our listeners that have hit similar plateaus and stumbling blocks and are looking for the next steps to take their brand to the next level. Then go to ecombreakthrough.com. That's ecom with two M's to learn more. And as a special bonus to my podcast listeners, this month I'm giving away one $10,000 comprehensive business strategy audit session at no cost. All you need to do is email me at josh at ecombreakthrough.com and in your subject line, say strategy audit and then tell me why I should choose you and your brand to work with for this month. But today I am super excited to introduce you all to Brett. Brett is the CEO and co-founder of OMG Commerce, a performance marketing agency working with the top D2C e-commerce brands like Native, Boom by Cindy Joseph, Organifi and more. He's a top spender on YouTube ads and a full-service Amazon ad agency. So with that intro, Brett, welcome to the show. What's up, Josh? Man, super excited to be here, and thanks for the invite. It's always fun when two podcast hosts get on the same show. It's sure to be high energy and fun and hopefully informative. Yeah, it, it always is. And Brett, it goes back to our war room days. That's where we originally <laughs> met. Yep. And you were the first person that I talked to that I ever talked to about like doing a podcast. You're the first That's person right. that I said, tell me like, how hard is it to run a podcast? You know, and then you were like, why don't you just come see for yourself? So you had <laughs> Becca and I come join your podcast and you were our first podcast. So that is awesome. So in some ways I'm like the, the godfather of this, you, of this podcast. <laughs> you are, you, you are my mentor. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, it all comes full full it's, circle it's to so have great, you man. on so here. Great. I still remember. Yeah, I remember that conversation. I remember we were outside. I met you and your wife, yes. and I was like, "Dude, this is a really friendly couple." We hit it off. It was a super fun conversation, and talking about growth and teams and podcasts and stuff. But where was it? Was that Vegas or something? I can't remember. No, I remember I being outside. Austin. Austin. We were in Austin on that one, and we nice. were outside at lunch. Yeah, I remember yeah. it as well. Yeah, remember it well, man. That's that's fantastic. Well, love love that we're coming full circle, and just delighted to be here. Well, Brett, I'm super excited to have you on because you have worked with some massive brands in the e-commerce space, 
you've been able to see what's working, what's not working, both on the Amazon side as well as on the D2C side. And so that's why I think I'm really so excited to have you share your insights with our guests or with our audience is because you've got so much experience in case studies. And that's really what I want to dive into today with you is what have you seen working in the D2C arena? And then what are you seeing working on Amazon? Uh, But Brett, to kind of kick things off, as you know, most of our listeners are selling on Amazon and they probably started their journey there, right? They've cross the seven figure mark. They want to grow to eight figures and beyond. So Brett, my question to you would be this. If you've got somebody that's already kind of, they've built their business on Amazon up to this point, they're making over a million dollars. What would be your advice and recommendations to help them grow to that next level of eight figures and beyond? Yeah, it's a really great question. And then, you know, if you're doing seven figures on Amazon, you're doing a lot of things right. And so hats off to you, kudos to you. You've You've got what a lot of people want and what a lot of people are working towards. Uh, I want to talk about some kind of fun things and some unique growth accelerators that probably a lot of people listening to this aren't using, like like YouTube and Google Ads and a few other things. I do think it's worth mentioning, though, Josh, that even if you're at seven figures, you probably have a little more you can do, or maybe a lot more you can do on Amazon. And so a couple of things to just point out there kind of quickly, and then we can move on to other stuff is, you know, we, we talk to our Amazon brands all the time about, hey, this is really about building a brand on Amazon. Don't just think about Amazon as a sales channel, but how do you build and establish your brand on Amazon? So that comes down to things like product positioning. How do I position my product, uh, you know, in the marketplace uh, next to my competitors so that people say, ah, that's the product for me and I resonate with that brand versus someone just buying a product because they see it on Amazon and they'll forget your brand and all they remember is they bought this thing on on Amazon. And I really like this idea of creating experiences on Amazon through your product detail pages and storefront. It's sort of more like, you know, the Apple store within Best Buy, right? So Apple, obviously one of the most iconic brands and tons of demand that everybody knows Apple, right? One of the most valuable companies in the world, but they still leverage traffic from places like Best Buy, right? But when you go into a Best Buy, it's not just a random product here or there. It's like the Apple experience inside of Best Buy. And I, and I really like thinking about it that way, kind of using that real world example to, to translate into Amazon. So is your storefront compelling? Is your A-plus content on your product detail pages compelling? Is the photography compelling? Do you create this immersive experience where when someone looks at it, they're like, I love this brand and I want to dig in here because I can think of several brands that I've discovered on Amazon that I've since told a lot of people about and now I'm loyal to that brand, but I found it on Amazon. I can also think of, or or should I say not think of, a whole <laughs> bunch of products that I bought on Amazon. And I'm like, I don't know. I just bought it. You know, it was like it was ranking high and it was the, you know, it was the, the projector with some no name on it or whatever. But I can think of a couple like health brands that I like, wow, I discovered this on Amazon. One is Trace Minerals. It's like a, an electrolyte drink. And I absolutely love this product, mm. but found it on, on Amazon. Now I tell a lot of people about it or Superfood Creamer that I found on Amazon called uh, Laird Hamilton superfood creamer and I drink it every day and I absolutely love it. And so, but these are brands now to me and I just so happen to buy them on Amazon. And so, so I think people need that. And and then, you know, you need to maximize your, your basics, your sponsor product ads, sponsor brands. I think even looking at some Amazon DSP to go a little bit next level. And then when all of that is working and all of that is going well, then you start layering on Google search ads to Amazon and YouTube and some of those other fun things. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And that's definitely the recommendation that I would share and what other guests have shared as well is that 
before you start, you know, experimenting with all of the other, you know, external traffic and really getting into the weeds of going into D2C as well is, are you actually optimizing everything on Amazon that you possibly can, right? Are, are you doing Amazon posts? Are you building your Amazon storefront out? Are you, have you maximized A plus content, the new A premium A plus content? Um, are all of your listings uh, keyword optimized, right? Do you have your PPC ads dialed in? I mean, that's enough full-time work in and of itself, but like that's the fundamentals that you need to master first before you start diving into what we'll have as a bigger conversation of like what other D2C brands are doing. But I think that that's the, that's getting the, your bases covered. Is just yeah, make for sure. And, and as we start to look at some of these other things and I'll just, I'll, I'll tease something really quickly before we get into the details of it. If you're running more top of funnel traffic, you know, whether that's YouTube, which we'll dive into or Facebook ads, or we even know some brands consulting with some brands that run TV, which is super fun and interesting. Um, that's always going to generate search to Amazon. And I can talk about some specific examples there. Uh, but you got so you got to be ready for that, right? Someone sees an ad elsewhere. Maybe they click, maybe they don't. But later, they're just going to go search for it on Amazon. So how do you show up there? Do you have good branded search campaigns? Are you, uh, is, that, is that experience really set up properly where someone sees that ad, now they visit Amazon, are they going to buy your product? Or are they going to be just like, oh, this other product looks about the same. Let me just buy that. And yeah. so, so yeah, you got to have the bases, the foundation there. Strong foundation means rapid scale in other channels. Yeah, I love that. And I think that that's so important. Like if you want to expand your brand, you think about running TV ads, radio ads, YouTube ads, whatever it is, right? You've got to have the basics covered. So I want to go back and touch on this one more time here, Brett. You talked about brands creating an experience where you've had some brands on Amazon. They're like, you found them on Amazon and you remember those brands versus the number of times that you, us, you, I, and everybody else buy something is like, I have no idea where, who the brand is or anything like that. So my question to you, Brett, is like, what made the difference? What made these experiences more memorable for you that you fell in love with the brand that you discovered on Amazon? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that ultimately it comes down to the quality of the product it's, itself and is it meeting a, a given need? So actually, I think Laird Hamilton was a recommendation from a buddy of mine, but I did buy that creamer, the superfood creamer, but I did buy it the first time on Amazon. That's where I bought it uh, the whole time. But basically it's got, it's got good healthy fats, little bit of coconut sugar in it. Uh, just super, super healthy. Once I tried it, I realized I could, I could think more clearly. I was less hungry between breakfast and, and lunch. And so the project was just great. And it checked a lot of boxes for me. Uh, trace minerals that I found on Amazon, uh, all together. But the thing I loved about it is great electrolytes plus some vitamins and no sugar. And, yeah. you know, if you look at even some of the more popular, not, not just Gatorade and Powerade and some of those things, but even like the packets that you buy of, of electrolytes, you know, you're like, Oh, this is going to be super healthy. And then you look at it and it's got like 12 grams of sugar, which is actually not an insignificant amount. And, uh, I'm a, I'm a heavy, not to get too personal here, Josh, but I'm a heavy sweater. So <laughs> if I'm working out, if I'm at the gym, uh, which I've been working out pretty consistently here for the last year or so, I sweat like crazy. So I got to have electrolytes, but I don't want to pump my body full of sugar. And so trace, uh, really did that. Plus shopping experience is great. You know, everything just looks good. So, you know, I think part of the difference is, does this look like a product that was designed thoughtfully and for me? And that comes down to ingredients and or features and the, the composition of the product itself. So it comes down to merchandising, right? What's, what's the product packaging like and what is How does this thing 
you know, operate and, and what does it look like? And then it's the details we talked about, right? The storefront, can I easily navigate and click around and find out, is this a real company or again, just a product on Amazon and then those product detail pages. So, uh, so really those things that just make it stand out and make you think, man, this is a, this is a brand that I, I want to buy and that I kind of want to be associated with even, and then I'll probably tell other people about. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you hit the nail right on the head is like, first and foremost, it's got to be a, a quality product. Yeah. And then totally. secondly, you've got to have additional products to offer people, right? So that they see it as like a suite of products that it's not just this one thing that they could buy from you. And then you've also got a storefront that's organized, right? And all of your branding meshes across all of your products. They all add into this overall vision or mission that you have. For me, as I go through, you know, the brands that I've enjoyed finding on Amazon, as I think through it, it's not that they had a gimmicky like insert card that got me on their email list. Totally. Yeah. And then I fell in love. It was quite the opposite. It was like, this is a brand I actually trust mm -hmm. their product. It works. And I could see that they do this in many different verticals and they have different products that they offer. And so I could follow along with that brand and and just be a, a yeah, a, a fan of the brand overall. Right. Yeah, and like no, and no gotchas, right? Where this happened a few times. I talked about the other electrolyte drink where I've been drinking this thing for a while. And I'm like, oh crap! It's got look at look at all the sugar. Like I just I, for whatever yeah. reason I trusted it, and now I realize it's got a bunch of sugar or or whatever. I, I tried this this product. I bought this projector or whatever, and then it, it didn't work for my setup or wasn't as advertised. So no yeah. gotchas there. And then yeah, it's just something like hey, I, I I this checks all the boxes. This is meeting a need that was unmet, and now I want to keep buying more. And yeah, with the trace minerals as an example. And and this is not an ad for Trace Minerals. They're not a client. I just I like their product. But, but maybe I should like do an endorsement deal or something. Um, but the we bought the electrolytes first. Then we brought the green drink. And then I don't know. There's something else that my wife bought that that I think the kids drink uh, all from that one all from that one brand. Brett, I completely agree with you. I think that it's so important just to have the fundamentals covered to make sure that you have people that love your brand first and that you've built out your product lines. Then you can start taking things to the next level. So. Let's uh, so let's go on to this next phase, Brett, where we do have a well built out storefront on Amazon. We have a whole product suite that we offer and we've got some followers that actually love our brand. What is the next stage to kind of take that brand to the next level? And we say hey, we've already tapped out of the whole Amazon game. What do we do next to grow our brand? Yeah, it's a great question. And I really like to still think about this kind of like in, in shopping funnels, right? So at the very top of the funnel, you got the awareness stage. And so we're just making people aware of our brand. And maybe the most extreme examples of that would be TV ads, you know, Super Bowl ads on TV or, or billboards in Times Square or, you know, park benches or whatever, like bus stop benches, and, you know, billboards, things like that of, of just pure awareness. I'm just like throwing my message out there to a broad audience. It's awareness, right? Then you got more kind of mid funnel, which would be like consideration. And this is maybe when someone is actively shopping for something or they're beginning to research a product or research a problem they're trying to solve. So it's kind of this more in this consideration stage and then you got and then you got purchase right and so i think uh, there's a there's a decent amount in fact i think most of amazon is purchase or consideration right someone goes to amazon yeah. they have an idea what they want they're searching for a product still most product discovery on amazon is through search and not anything else and so that's really where most amazon brands live and operate is in that consideration and purchase stage 
I think another way to look at it is kind of this this binary of either we're demand generation, we're creating demand, or we're capturing demand. So so we're generating demand, meaning no one's even thinking about our product. They might not even be thinking about our category, might not even know it exists. So we're generating demand or demand capture is there's demand out there and we're, we're grabbing those, those ready buyers. So I like to, to move up the funnel um, slowly. I mean, I say slowly. I think methodically is maybe a better way to, to look at that because I do like speed as well. But I think one of the first things you try once you get all the bases covered is you look at Google ads to Amazon. I think there's a couple compelling reasons here. So th- these would, this would be Google search ads that leads someone from Google to your Amazon storefront or your Amazon product detail pages. And what's really interesting here, Josh, is that there are millions and millions of searches every day for products on Amazon, meaning someone's typing in, you know, comforter, Amazon or, or pillow or coloring conditioner or anti-wrinkle cream, Amazon, but they're doing it on Google. And it's super interesting. I think just for a lot of people, the internet begins with Google, right? They, they have every intention of buying something on Amazon, but they start on Google anyway. And another interesting thing to think about is if you look at Amazon's number one traffic source from the beginning, it's been Google, right? And, and Amazon is the top spender on, on Google ads. I can't remember how many billions of dollars a quarter mm. Amazon spends on Google ads. Um, and so it's kind of one of those things where you're like, hey, if it's good enough for Bezos, maybe maybe good enough <laughs> uh, for me here, where if Amazon's driving traffic from Google, they know something that maybe a lot of us don't. And so that's still, I would call that consideration phase. Yeah, consideration stage is still very much demand capture. But let's start running Google ads to people that are searching for my category, my type of product on Google, but they're typing in Amazon as well. And that's just a great place to start. And what's also cool, and this is one of those things that some people don't know or they just haven't really paid that close of attention, but but Josh, I'm going to I'm going to quiz you. I'm going to I'm going to turn the tables. Uh-oh. I'm going to ask Uh-oh. you a question. So let, let's uh, give me give me a product category, just product category for fun. Oh, let's do uh calendars. Calendars. Okay. So I search for calendars Amazon, but I search for that on Google. So I'm now presented with an ad from Amazon. So Google delivers what I want. It's an ad for calendars on Amazon. I click that Amazon ad. What kind of page do I land on? What kind of page does Amazon send me to when I click on that ad? Hmm, that's a good question. I think they I think they have a couple different ad types, don't they? I think they do. One, they do. One just goes to the general like search page. Yeah, yeah. And then another one like they're going to take some listing and it's not always the number one organically ranked listing or maybe it is there will be like an option where like it goes straight to somebody's product detail page right right so that that ad the one you just mentioned where it goes straight to a product detail page that's the google shopping ad it's okay or product listing ad is what they've been called kind of from the beginning but it's picture of a product description price all that now what's interesting is only amazon can run those ads sending traffic back to their store because to run that, not to get too technical or too detailed, but to run that type of ad, you got to prove that you own the cart and own the checkout experience. Mm. So that type of ad that goes directly to a product detail page from the shopping results that only Amazon can run. But the search ads, the text ads, those almost always send people to the first kind of page you talked about, which is a search results page on Amazon. So I type in calendars on Amazon. I click on that search ad. I now land on amazon.com, but it's a search results page. And what is that search results page filled with? All of my competitors. And it's filled with Amazon ads. 
right? So it's actually this kind of brilliant arbitrage game that, that Amazon is playing where they're like, hey, okay, I'll pay two bucks a click over here. But then when someone lands on this page, decent chance they'll click on one of my ads. I'm going to charge them three bucks a click or whatever, that whatever that math works out to. Um, but anyway, the traffic is usually going to a, a category page that's not your page. And so what we like to experiment with then is, hey, let's let's target certain keywords that are related to our category, our specific product. And then let's send that traffic either to our storefront or a specific page on our storefront or directly to a product detail page. And we, we, we kind of like to think about that based on like if it's just generic, like, you know, calendars, Amazon or, or you know, coloring calendars, Amazon, then I'll send them to kind of the storefront or like a, a subcategory on the storefront. If it's like, you know, very specific search, you know, like, like I'll, give, I'll give a different example. It's like, you know, cooling twin size sheets beige or whatever you know that because people mm. do search that specific right so if it's that keyword in amazon then i'll just i'll you know parachute someone right in to that specific product um, but that's that's a strategy that a lot of people are missing the google ads to amazon there's a few complexities and a few things you got to consider but that's one of the next things i would consider how um, how effective are those ads because i've also heard you know we've had amped on the podcast as well Right. And, and again, Amazon says or they've actually come out and said that, like, you will get a boost in your ranking if you're sending us external traffic. Right. So I think there is a benefit there. The times that we have toyed around a little bit with Google ads, we haven't seen crazy results where it's like, oh, my goodness, like the heavens just open by turning on right. Google ads. Right. Um it's it's hard. We've never been able to see like a direct correlation. Oh, we turned on Google ads and man, we just shot through the roof. We started ranking better. We haven't necessarily seen that specifically for our brand. Um, but I'm curious, like, do you have any case studies um, of people that are just absolutely killing it? Or what is the mindset that people need to have when it comes to Google ads? Is it like, hey, if you're just breaking even or even at a 0.5 row as like, that's good. Like, tell me what you're seeing from your side. Yeah. So I think there's, there's a few things, great questions, by the way, a few things to keep in mind. I think it does come down to kind of mindset and strategy first. And then I'll talk about some examples uh, here in just a second. But one thing I think you got to keep in mind is, you know, we're, we're fans of testing small and I think this is smart, right? Don't, don't come out and, you know, double your ad budget, you know, on a new initiative that, that's unproven for your brand. But at the same time, you want to test enough to be able to see, is this moving the needle or is this working? And so as an example, you know, sometimes we'll see someone test Google to Amazon. And if you look at the total amount of clicks, it's like a 2% lift in clicks to their product detail page, right? Which is fine. Like if you're just going to measure some things, that's fine. But then you can't come back and say, well, I didn't really see any ranking improvement on this. And I didn't really see any halo effect. And I'm like, well, that would be so small. It would be imperceptible, right? Like you've got to probably mm -hmm. cross that 10 to 15% threshold to really see, is this causing a halo effect and really causing some, some lift? Um, another thing to kind of keep in mind is that, that measurement is imperfect. So even if you're using a tool like, like Amped, which kind of ties back to Amazon attribution, it's still not going to be 100%, right? There's still just some stuff lost yeah. in, that, in that attribution uh, window. And so uh, you do want to use Amazon attribution. I'm confident in that. But yeah, I, I would definitely come into Google to Amazon with kind of like what's the lowest of low threshold I could hit here because really the goal is just visible. Let's visible be break even. 
because then as we scale up, we're going to see that halo effect, that ranking increase, other positive things happening. But let's just at least kind of be break even. We we have had clients that have gone beyond that, that have hit a two or three extra rows or whatever. But but that's often rare and not usually in the beginning. And sometimes you just don't get clean data back from Amazon attribution. Right. You know, when you're sending traffic from Google to a Shopify store or a big commerce store, everything's just connected a little bit cleaner and you, and you get better data. So you got to keep that in mind as well. Um, let, me, let me give you two, two case studies or two examples. Uh, one was a, a supplement brand that did not rank on Amazon. And the only thing they did, they did not run Amazon ads. I don't know why. I think it was just a matter of you know, loss of, of focus and no time and whatever. But all this brand did was they ran simple ads from Google to Amazon. And this was a, a growing brand that was profitable, that was adding dozens of new you know, customers every month. And again, they did not rank for anything significant. It was all just Google to Amazon, which is, which is super interesting. Uh, brand with tons of potential, tons of untapped potential. But another, and we've had several, uh, Josh, that have gotten into this category where they're spending north of six figures a month on Google ads to Amazon, knowing that, hey, we've got everything checked off right, right? We're, uh, we got great reviews. This is a great price for people looking for this product. And now we know if we send enough traffic to this, this product detail page, we're going to see growth. And, and if you can, you know, I wouldn't suggest starting there and you probably, you probably couldn't start there even if you just wanted to. But we've seen multiple brands spending six figures a month on with Google to Amazon and having a meaningful lift, uh, both in direct sales, but then also in in overall lift in branded searches and and you know still great tacos and, and things like that. Fascinating. Those are yeah. some awesome case studies. I love to yeah. hear that. But but I do want to. They are. But I do want to underscore one thing. It's not like the thing where you turn it on and it just explodes your business. It's not right. It's like it's an add on. It's a nice thing. Maybe you scale it to where it's pretty large, but I would say still for the majority of sellers, it's going to be like, yeah, this is a nice little, nice little add-on. It's not going to be as, as useful as your, you know, sponsor product ads or something like that. But yeah, but uh, yeah. No. And I appreciate you sharing that kind of like mindset that people need to have when they get into Google ads. And I think that's the most important thing you need to do is just have the right frame of yes. mind to understand like, what is my objective here? It's not going to double my business overnight, but if I can make 1% improvements across the board in different channels, that starts to compound. Yeah, to, exactly. And, and it's kind of like understanding how does this tool work, right? This is just a tool. It's a tool to drive traffic to your store. How does it work in terms of how is it measured and how are you getting data on it? But then also how do users interact with it as well? Um, yeah. and, and so kind of understanding those things, because even though from, from the user standpoint, the shopper standpoint, even though this is still consideration stage, if someone is searching from Google looking for Amazon, maybe they're ready to buy today, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're ready to buy in three or four or five days. And so you got to keep kind of keep that in mind as well. It's in that consideration phase, I believe, but it may, it's maybe a little higher mid funnel than, say, a sponsored product ad is on Amazon. Yeah, I love that. All right, Brett. So let's say we've turned on Google ads. Now what? Um, and I'm also interested to hear your perspective on this. At what point does a, a seller on Amazon start to focus on D2C themselves? Yeah, such a great question. I, I do think it depends on a few things. I, I, would, I would argue like as soon as you're comfortable, as soon as you have the skills and or connections to people with the right skills to go D2C to build that Shopify store, whatever platform you want to build on, the sooner you can do that, I think the better. Because if you start to, to do things like, YouTube ads, which we'll talk about in a second, or Facebook ads or, or, or TikTok or other areas, 
I think you've got the greatest leverage there when you can send someone to your store, but then you'll also get sales on Amazon as well. But I think ultimately it comes down to like, do you have that skill set? Can, can you find someone who will build a, a store for you that represents your brand and creates that immersive shopping experience on Shopify? And do you have enough, uh, you know, product assortment that if you get a customer, one-time customer, they can buy multiple things. And, and do you have the ability to create a product detail page that's going to convert at, you know, bare minimum that, you know, industry average of one to 3% for cold traffic, uh, ideally beyond that. And so do you have, do you have some of those things? And then, are you good at, at storytelling and branding or, or do you, can you partner with someone who is so that you can create those ads that, that compel people to take action? So I don't know that it's necessarily a specific dollar amount so much as it is like, do you have the skill set and is your business in a place to do that? If you're a single SKU business, I think that's going to be quite a bit harder to build out a Shopify store if it's just one SKU, so often multi-SKU, and it doesn't have to be a lot, it can be just a handful. That's usually gonna perform better uh, with, a, with a store. So it's more kind of a few of those un, you know, in, untangible intangibles. Um, but I do think it's gonna be most applicable probably for the people that start on Amazon. It's be most applicable probably once you pass that seven figure mark, if we had to put a dollar amount there. But that does vary from prospect to prospect, right? I, yeah. I, I know we'll get into this case study probably more later, but boom by Cindy Joseph, longtime client and friend Ezra Firestone. They launched completely on Shopify, you know, and then didn't add Amazon until later. And native deodorant, same thing. They launched D2C and then added Amazon later. So in those cases, they launched D2C at zero, right? So it kind of it depends on, on skill set and, and a few other factors. Yeah. Hundred percent. It is a different ball game, right? You now have to be good at demand generation, right? Yes. And bringing people into your funnel, whereas Amazon is people are already sitting at the bottom of the funnel. Just sell them something, right? Just, just offer ready. them something yeah. better than what is already out there, right? And there's built-in trust, right? There's trust because you're on Amazon, and I know even if this product sucks, Amazon's going to take it back, right? Yeah. Whereas if it's a Shopify store. I don't know. Who, who are you? What, what, what is this brand? And, and do I see reviews? Do I believe those reviews? Is there social proof? Do I believe that social proof? Am I seeing product demonstrations? Is this is the branding of this site create confidence? Not that it has to be, you know, not that it has to match Nike yep. or, or Apple or something like that. But am I getting a sense of confidence when I'm on your, on your page? And so, yeah, it's a different game to play. I think it can reap very, very large rewards, but it is a different game to play. Yeah. And I recently had kind of a mindset shift in terms of like, you know, how I should approach D to C, um, you know, we're, we're actively working on our Shopify storefront now. And for the longest time, we kind of avoided it, right? We kind of never paid attention to our Shopify store. And we knew that, Hey, there's actually more value in doubling down on what's working on Amazon, which is still true, right? We needed to make sure we did everything to maximize what we're already doing on Amazon, which we already talked about in this podcast, do that first then you could start layering on some of these strategies. And the mindset shift that occurred to me is that if we start focusing on more top of funnel searches and we're driving them to our website, not all of those sales are going to come to our storefront or to our shop. 100%. Right? A lot, and I don't even know what the percentage is, maybe you know, is it 50% of people that see like a Facebook ad and they'll just be like, ooh, that's interesting. I'm immediately going to go pop over to Amazon now, and I'm going to search for that thing on Amazon. I know for myself, that's my behavior. When I see something interesting on a Facebook ad or Instagram, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I don't click the ad. 
I go immediately over to Amazon and I try to look up that brand on Amazon, right? So now I screw up all their marketing metrics. Um, so <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. But that, but that's it's such a common uh, form of behavior. And so I think I think a couple things to consider here. So if you're 100% Amazon right now, it's almost unreasonable to think that oh, I just do a few things. I launch a Shopify store, run some top funnel ads, and pretty soon I'll be 50-50, right? That means you double your business pretty quickly by, by selling on Shopify. That's not going to happen easily, right? It's going to take a lot of work. You're, you're, you're battling inertia, right? You're, you're, you're getting something from nothing and kind of getting that momentum with Shopify. I think a, a much clearer path or, or again, kind of thinking about mindset and expectation is, you know, I know that certain people want to buy from my store. Some people don't like Amazon. It's the minority of people, I think, but potentially a growing list yeah. of people that, that want to buy on a Shopify store or something not Amazon. So we'll, we'll reach those people. There's some people that want to look at a store and then they'll buy on Amazon, right? Or maybe they'll click your Facebook ad or your YouTube ad or something else, TikTok, and they'll land on your store. They'll get educated. Then they'll go and search for it on Amazon. The nice thing is if they land on your Shopify store, you can capture their name and email address. You can pixel them and put them on your remarketing list. So you've got lots of options there. And so, yeah, even once you launch that that D2C store, it's still you're still going to be driving a lot of sales to Amazon. So a, a couple of examples here that I think will illustrate this. Uh, one comes from the infomercial world. Now, I have always liked, oddly, always liked infomercials, Josh. It's something weird about my personality. I don't, I don't have time to like sit around and consume infomercials. I'm busy with a bunch of kids and sports and all that, all kinds of stuff. But well, do you don't have a, to lie. You're, you're up at midnight, <laughs> your favorite shows are over and you have nothing else to watch. So I can't sleep. I'm just, I'm just looking for the next, you know, beach body or, or, you know, next uh, potato peeler or the next George Foreman grill. I'm just, I'm on the hunt. Right. But no, I still remember like as a, as a preteen probably, or maybe younger seeing one of the Ginsu knife infomercials. And I thought, wow, this is the coolest knife ever invented. I like tried to talk my parents into buying it. They didn't, but it was just like one of my early exposures to infomercials and it was super fun. But what's, what's cool. I got to interview a guy named Jordan Pine on my podcast. I think episode uh, I'm going to just make up a number, so I'll skip that. But it's a Jordan Pine e-commerce evolution podcast. So he has worked with a lot of the top infomercial products. So either producing or, or scripting or, or, you know, things like that. And he said, what's interesting now when, when a new product is, is launched with an infomercial, right? So you're putting, you're going to put quite a bit of budget behind something to, to launch an infomercial because it's production, it's pretty large TV buys and things like that. Here's the math they're looking at now, Josh, when they, when they run an infomercial, they are fully expecting 50% of those sales to come on Amazon. Wow. So even an infomercial that's saying, go to this website or call today or whatever, you know, uh, they expect 50% of those sales to go to Amazon. So they've got to get an Amazon, you know, listing set up and stuff like that. But that's where they're expecting those sales to go. Uh, 30% will go to the D2C shop. So Shopify or whatever. And then 20%, you know, given the nature of it's, you know, they're often targeting a slightly older audience, stuff like that. 20% is going to be a phone order, right? So, so here's this extreme top of funnel ad, not talking about Amazon. Half the people go to Amazon, mm -hmm. uh, which, which kind of makes sense. I'll give, give another example, uh, boom by Cindy Joseph. And we, uh, you know, we, we've run their DSC stuff on Google and YouTube. We, we helped them launch on Amazon. So built their storefront, their product listings, like all that full, full scale launch on, on Amazon. They went from zero to six million in sales on Amazon their first year. Now, this was because they had just a great brand. They're spending a ton of money on, on Facebook and YouTube and other places. But what's interesting is that there was not very much cannibalization in sales. So it wasn't like we just suddenly appealed 
to people that that were buying D 2 C and now they were convinced to buy an Amazon. There's a little bit a little bit of cannibalization, but most of it was growth. And so what that proved to us is that if someone sees an ad top of funnel, whether it's YouTube, TV, Facebook, whatever, they are going to go to Amazon. And if they don't find you, if they can find something that's comparable or halfway comparable, they might just buy that first, right? And so so that's something to think about. Um, you want a D 2 C store, you want to drive top of funnel traffic. But you, the behavior you described, that's just that's just the behavior people have, right? They, they're they often going to go to Amazon next. And we, we work with, um, which is one more quick example, uh, salon-grade hair care products. And so there are a bunch of salons across the U.S. And we're getting a lot of website traffic. And the sales are okay on the website, but Amazon is continuing to grow. And so I, I firmly believe you know, a lot of people that are like, oh, I can buy it on the website. Oh, I wonder what was on Amazon. And they'll, and they'll go and then they'll ultimately buy it on, on Amazon. And I think this is happening across age, age and demographic, right? So, so boom, my son, yeah. Joseph, older demographic, another one overtone. It's like a coloring hair conditioner, their fastest growing channel by far. And this is like a younger, you know, millennial Gen Z type audience and younger, like they are, they're growing on Amazon rapidly. Uh, that, that's where most of their growth is coming from is Amazon right now. Fascinating. No, I think that, <clears throat> I think it's so important to understand that there's so much bleed over into, you know, to Amazon, right? And so I guess my question to you, Brett, would be like, so how in the world do you track that, right? Yeah. Especially for like an infomercial, right? I mean, obviously... When something airs, they could then track the time when orders came through. But how do you do that if you just have a YouTube ad that's <laughs> running all the time, right? And you're yeah, like, yeah, how do I know what percentage, like, how do I attribute that in order to understand like the true ROAS of that ad and to know whether should I keep running that thing or do I need to go shoot it behind the barn? Yeah, yeah. And this is uh this is one of those those tricky things where I think this really uh, one of the reasons why this is is a greater strategy for later. Like once you're established, once you're sound, once you got free cash flow, you're willing to kind of experiment and and try things for a while. Because what's cool about about YouTube is you can quickly scale from you know a couple hundred bucks a day in ad spend to a couple thousand to ten thousand to twenty thousand to thirty thousand to fifty thousand. You know, you, like there's so much traffic available on YouTube, but obviously you, you're only going to do that. If, if it's working. And so a couple things to keep in mind. Uh, and then there are different philosophies here, but a couple things to keep in mind. You can still run traffic directly from YouTube to a Shopify lander and then optimize that campaign for conversions. So there's, there's a campaign type called TrueView. And TrueView on YouTube means basically you're only paying if someone actually engages with the video and or they click on the video. Uh, but then you can optimize those for conversion. So you can feed Google your conversion data from your Shopify store and you can say, hey, I, you know, Google, I really want to optimize towards $50 cost per conversion or $80 cost per conversion or, or whatever the case may be. So you kind of get that to where that's like a halfway manageable point, not like profitable necessarily, but halfway manageable. And then you start looking at a couple things. You start looking at what is my branded lift? So how many additional branded searches am I getting on my Shopify store? Because that's probably net new shoppers that YouTube generated. And then how are my branded searches uh, or organic uh, growth on, on Amazon? So you start to track that kind of baseline. I'll give you an example here to kind of illustrate, you know, at scale, this becomes pretty apparent. Sometimes when you're first starting, it's not as apparent. Uh, another hair care brand, uh, hair regrowth type brand. They were spending multi six figures a month on, on YouTube, had some tracking issues uh, around iOS 14, paused 
all YouTube ads, paused it all as we're kind of fixing things. We were also running their uh, Amazon store and we noticed branded search volume dropped in half. Didn't just go down a little bit. It was cut in half. And so just a reminder that like, uh, okay, that, that branded, those branded searches and those conversions on Amazon, those were coming from YouTube, right? Which makes sense, right? Like that's, that's yeah. where someone saw the story. They saw the testimonials. They saw the demonstration. They saw the hair regrowth. Now they're going to Amazon uh, to purchase. And so you've got to kind of understand those things, but you don't have to just go into it blind, right? So, and again, the numbers are going to vary for every product, but you know, we, we've had some brands that have scaled on YouTube that they know that, hey, for every one direct sale they get on their store, they're probably going to get an additional sale that's through branded search that we can't track. And they're mm. going to get an additional maybe one or two sales on Amazon. So then you can maybe start to look at, okay, well, then what's an effective CPA there? Yeah, You only get to that after you start to see some data and start to see the trends in, in search lift and things like that. Uh, yeah. But that, that's where, yeah, you got to... Uh, you get you gotta have some momentum as a brand, you know, to to turn that on. Um, but we've had some we've had some brands where you know they've got a they've got a CPA target. You know, I need I need to be at a thirty dollars CPA or even some that are lower. You know, with direct traffic from YouTube, and so we just optimize the campaigns to hit that. But we're hitting that with Shopify sales. We know there's some other sales going elsewhere. There's maybe just not enough data to to verify it. And so the thing there is then you just, the budgets have to sit a little bit lower, right? You just got to be a yep. little more, a little slower in your, 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 uh, scale on, on YouTube in, in those cases. So you can still measure direct sales. You can still optimize for direct sales, but just know that there's more overall lift with YouTube than, than anything else. Fascinating. You know, and I'm, I'm interested too. like, are there any specific, like, types of brands or products that work better for external marketing than not. For example, it makes sense if you have a some type of product that needs to be purchased on a reoccurring basis, right? So a subscription type product, right? Like the hair regrowth, right? You're going to need to repurchase every month or every two months or something like that, right? So then you can measure more like the lifetime value totally. of a customer versus maybe as a brand more similar to myself, where we have <clears throat> products around the $20 range, but they're more kind of like one-time purchases, right? You don't need them every month. Uh, like, are those, would you say like, uh, maybe, you know, YouTube ads and things like that aren't going to be your best strategy? Any recommendations that way? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I would think, I would actually say that, yeah, you're correct. Like there, there, I think you need a few things for YouTube to work. I think the type of, product categories is, is pretty diverse of, you know, what has worked on, on YouTube. You know, you got, you got soap like Dr. Squatch, you know, that went from 3 million to 150 million a year in sales. And that was driven in large part by YouTube. Shout out to the, uh, my, my friends at raindrop. They did the, the creative work there. They kind of leveraged some of our, our YouTube training to kind of help, help with that. Uh, but that's soap, right? However, it is a premium soap. So good margins. Um, and it is a consumable. So we're buying it over and over again. Right. But it's, it was selling soap to dudes, which that's not easy, right? And at a premium, uh, but, but it has really worked. You know, then you got uh, kind of on the high margin, you know, larger ticket item side of things, Purple Mattress. And, and a buddy of mine kind of ran media at Purple Mattress in the beginning. And so that's more of a one-time purchase, but it's a large ticket item and there's, there's nice margins built in there. So I think you need kind of one of those two things where it's a consumable and you kind of know your 30-day, 60-day, 90-day LTV or your, your true LTV, or you got enough margin and it's a one-time purchase where you can, you can invest in it. For something that's maybe, you know, a $20 purchase or whatever, even with good margins, 
it becomes hard to go too, uh, you know, be too aggressive with top of funnel marketing because like you're, you're the direct cost per conversion, the direct CAC you'll see or CPA you'll see from YouTube. It's tough to get that below kind of the 30 to $50 range. Now, I think it is lower than that, but, but being able to see it lower than that is pretty tough to do. So, so that's where it becomes a little trickier in, in, a, in a case like yours in a, in a product like, like yours. Um, but if you've got it dialed in where you kind of know what your LTV is, um, then I think YouTube can be, can be great. And so then I would look at, okay, is my product clearly differentiated, right? Can I, can I clearly show why this product is different? And, and again, it, this can happen even for non-obvious categories like soap. How, is it, how easy is it to differentiate soap? Um, or for mattresses, like, I don't know, do all mattresses look the same, feel the same? Well, they don't if you see a purple mattress ad. You know, once you see that and experience that, it's different. Um, and so then how, how easy is it to clearly differentiate your product from the, everything else that's out there? Because what can also kind of happen, which is nice with YouTube is you can take someone from a YouTube view and we like to run longer YouTube ads. So like 45 seconds to three minutes. If I watch a two minute ad and I'm kind of convinced like that looks like a pretty cool mattress, I'm just going to go search for it by name and I'm going to either land on a page on Amazon or I'm going to land on their store and just check it out. Think about everything I just skipped. I just skipped all the comparison shopping, you know, on a category page on Amazon. I just skipped all the comparison shopping that happens on a category search on, on Google. And I went straight to the brand. Right. And so that's one of those things we call it the passing game as well, like sports analogies, but you know, going straight from brand impression to, or, you know, impression to branded search, uh, it can actually be a pretty efficient way to acquire a customer. But I think just because of the nature of how you're measuring and what you have visibility into much easier if it's a consumable with good margins where, you know, you're at least know you're like 90 day LTV or a larger ticket item where you can kind of absorb uh, that, that CAC or that cost per acquisition. Fascinating. Um, this is great advice and recommendation. I, I think that it's so important for all of us to go in with our eyes wide open. Right. Totally. And I think that what you talked about is like, it kind of is brand specific, right? There's no one, you know, one size fits all here. And so I think that the most important thing you talked about is like, you can scale up YouTube ads, right? So you don't have to start with a hundred thousand dollar budget. You can start totally. experimenting. And I think yep. uh, I love this analogy. It's it, it goes back to fishing and maybe it's because I just went fishing last weekend, <laughs> but you don't know what is going to work or what the fish are going to bite on until you get your pole out in the water and you're testing something. Right. 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 I could fiddle around and I could spend all day searching on YouTube or Google. What do fish like to eat? But right. until I actually right. get something in the water. Yeah and see worm and marshmallow worked, the power bait or the lure, whatever it is, till I see what's working, I can't, I can't do anything with that. Um, yeah, so, I, love, I love that analogy. And it's like one of those things where, you know, you go out fishing and you don't catch anything. So you're like, fishing doesn't work. I hate it. You know, and it's like, well, maybe you had the wrong bait. Like maybe you're yeah. just like the no, no fish wanted the bait. Maybe you're in the wrong place, right? Maybe you're in yeah. the wrong pond or the wrong stream or the wrong lake or whatever. Like you're not in the right spot. And so understanding those things, and I, and I really think actually th those are the two most important things when it comes to ads, right? Especially YouTube, the bait. So the creative is so, so important, but you got to be talking to the, the right person, right? I, lo I love that old story of, you know, if you could choose any competitive advantage, you know, launching a new business, what would that competitive advantage be? And the answer is a starving crowd, right? I, I want a starving crowd. Mm. That, that's what I want. I want people that really, really want 
my product. So it's like, yeah, I, I want to sell hot dogs to people at a baseball game where they're starving and I'm the only option, right? Like that's, that's yeah. what I want. So it's usually changing the bait or it's changing the audience. Like those are the two uh, biggest levers to pull or, or changes to make. I love that. Now, Brett, as we kind of wrap everything up right now, I want you to kind of go through like a quick hit, like punch list of yeah. different strategies and things that people can think of to kind of like turn on extra levers or valves into their business to you know, grow their brand. So let's go with the case scenario where we've got a brand started on Amazon. They've got their Amazon basis covered. They've got a whole suite of products. They've got a brand store on Amazon. They're trying to figure out what do I do next? We talked a lot about, you know, Google ads going back to Amazon. We talked a lot about, you know, some YouTube ad strategies as well. But give me kind of a quick hit punch list or maybe a blueprint that you would walk people through of, Here's different things you should test out to maybe, you know, 10x your brand. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, going back to the Shopify store, you know, what I, what I look at there is when I launch my Shopify store, I'd want to set objectives in, in two key areas first. One, building an email list, right? Because I know if I have an email list, I can sell to that list forever. I can launch new products on Amazon to that. Uh, ideally, you get an SMS list and so you can, you can promote to that as well. So, you know, email lists are worth gold. I don't see that changing anytime soon. So we even have brands that once we, you know, kind of build out their email marketing for them, we'll run campaigns on, on, you know, YouTube, or they'll run campaigns on Facebook just to get email subscribers. Right. So I'd launch any, I'd launch a store with the, the primary objectives of building an email and SMS list and building remarketing lists. So I drop in my, my Google pixel, my Facebook pixel, so I can start to build an audience of people wherever they come from where I can start to remarket to them on those platforms. Because again, now you can launch a new product with that re to that remarketing audience, someone who's already been to your store before. Uh, or when ads get really expensive in Q4 and you don't want to you know, fight with everybody else, you just run remarketing ads, right? Or send an email and it's, it's, it's cheaper and, and, and less expensive. So I'd think about those things. Then I start to look at, okay, how can I build out a page on my Shopify store that, that has the same conversion power almost as uh, Amazon? So that's where you're looking at things like, how do I write a great headline? How do I overcome objections? How do I overcome sales resistance and social so show social proof or, you know, uh, convince someone that, hey, I'm taking away risk and things like that. So building out that that page, you know, then I would look at, OK, how do I optimize my cart and my checkout? And so then you can start to look at things like, you know, free shipping thresholds to to create upsells and some of those things. And I, I guess actually to back up really quickly, you know, there's really only three ways to grow a business, right? More new customers increased AOV or uh, longer LTV, right? Or higher LTV. So more new customers, get them to buy more when they purchase and get them to buy longer or more frequently. And so then I like to just map out as many strategies as I can to, to make those things happen. And so, um, you know, on the, on the new customer side, it's, it's trying new ad channels. On the AOV side, it's, it's order bumps or upsells or shipping thresholds, right? On the LTV, it's really leaning into email marketing and SMS marketing and, and even using uh, remarketing, remarketing ads to, to try to sell somebody more. And it's using Amazon DSP remarketing or Amazon DSP for reorder campaigns. It's all of these doing all of these little things that are going to increase all of those. Because what's cool, Josh, is you want to double your business or 10x your business. You don't have to 10x or double any of those individual things, new customers, higher AOV or higher LTV. But just meaningful improvements in all three, it leads to great results. So I think the math is 30% lift in new customers, 30% lift in AOV, 30% lift in LTV combined will double your business. Yeah. And so then you can just kind of do the math. Well, okay, I, I can do that. Like I can 
then what if I 2X my new customers? And what if I can, you know, get a 60% increase in order value or whatever? Like you start to look at that and that's when you can really get to that, that 10X type of growth. Yeah, I love that. Those are some great ideas. And I love that mindset of, you know, there's really only three levers that you need to focus on. Right, right. Three key areas of growth. Yeah. So I love that. And the most important thing is you got to go test. You got to go experiment because you have no idea what's going to happen until you go do it. Totally. Um, Brett, one last thing I wanted to touch on because you talked about this right as we led into, you know, you know, at what point do you open up your own Shopify storefront? You said when you have the right contacts or you know the right people or you have the expertise to be able to go do that. So my question would be, how do you go find the right who or how do you go, you know, either go through a course and go figure that out yourself um, to get to that point? But I think most importantly, if somebody's already crossed seven figures, you shouldn't be trying to go do this yourself. Totally. You should be finding the right who. And so my question to you, Brett, is like, so how do we find the right who and who is that who that we should be trying to look for? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I think, um, you know, it kind of goes back to some of the basics of just like ask your network, you know, you know, ask, ask people, you know, that are in your category that you, that you trust, like who, who do you recommend? And, and I think in some ways, like if you find a, a, someone who can build a great Shopify store, it's almost like finding a good home builder. The best ones are always covered up, man. They're always just like so busy. Maybe they can't even work with you this year. Maybe it'll be next year, that type of thing. Uh, one, one of my favorites, a buddy of mine, uh, Kurt Elster, also podcaster, the unofficial Shopify podcast and Ether Cycle is the name of his business. But but dude's busy, like he's in high demand. So may or may not be available. Um, but yeah, I think you ask your network on things like that. I think then when you get into kind of the traffic side of things, uh, if you're wanting to learn and just get consume training to build your team or to build your own skills, I love Smart Marketer. That's Ezra Firestone's training uh, business. You know, my, my team and I, we built a full... Google training, YouTube ad training, full Amazon training. If you want to like uh, learn some of our, our uh, tips on Amazon, so that's all at smartmarketer.com. Um, and then I think, you know, on the, on the traffic side, I got a couple of Facebook agencies that I, that I would really recommend. Um, and then on the, the Google and Amazon side, like I got, I got to tip the hat to OMG. I love my team. I love what we built and we can, we can help there uh, as well. And then anybody can hit me up on, on LinkedIn or wherever and just ask for a recommendation uh, some, some of that's nuanced. So if you t- kind of tell me what you're looking for, I may, I may have a good recommendation uh, for you. I love that. Brett, this has been an exciting episode. I know my, my brain is just spinning with new ideas here. So <laughs> good. good. I, I appreciate all of the case studies that you shared. Is there anything that you, we didn't talk about that you want to, you know, kind of relay to our audience? Dude, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, we covered so much. I mean, there's always more. But uh, one thing, I did get invited to speak at the YouTube LA offices just recently. And uh, we live streamed the whole thing. And so if you go to, to YouTube and search for OMG Commerce, then you'll see it. It'll be one of the, the first videos you see there. But it's a live streamed event from YouTube LA. It's me. It's Jacques Spitzer from Raindrop. And we talk about like, hey, here's the formula for scale on YouTube. And so and it's like two and a half hours. So it takes a little bit of time. But um, we got tremendous feedback and the, the, the YouTube videos done well. So that's free, obviously it's on, on YouTube. So, so check that out. Amazing. Amazing. I've already got that on my list. All right, Brett, I love to leave the get or our audience with three actionable takeaways from each episode. So here are the three actionable takeaways that I noted, Brett, you let me know if I'm missing anything. So action item number one is you've got to make sure that you've maximized everything you can on Amazon first, if you're an Amazon first brand. So make sure that you've got a product line that's actually built out. 
Make sure that your packaging is cohesive, that you actually have a brand name and mission and vision and values that you're integrating into your brand that speaks to customers. Focus on making sure you build out your Amazon brand store, your A-plus content. Make sure your uh, main images are optimized, your secondary images, your product copy, your bullets. Like It just goes on and on. Those are all the things that get talked about a lot in the Amazon space. So make sure you're doing all of those basics first before you get into the, some of the more advanced strategies that we'll go to, which would be action item number two. If you've already got your basis covered on Amazon and you're wondering, what else do I do with my time to pour gasoline on this fire? Like Brett mentioned, his next kind of external marketing source that he recommended was Google ads directly to Amazon because you've already refined your funnel on Amazon. You should already have optimized for that best conversion rate. You should have main images that are standing out, right? That attract customers over your competitors. Okay. So then you could layer in those, those Google ads. And again, I think the key takeaway I got from you here, Brett, is if you're only sending 2% of sessions to your Amazon listing, don't expect significant lifts in your organic ranking or overall sales on Amazon. You're going to need to see that like, oh, I'm bringing in 10, 15, 20% of the sessions that I'm currently getting. And those are being driven by Google now you could probably start to see a significant lift. So I think focus on that. And then third, last but not least, this would be experiment with different opportunities to grow your brand outside of Amazon, knowing that arguably 50% of the sales, whether you run a Facebook ad, Instagram, YouTube ad, an infomercial, radio ad, TV ad, doesn't matter. 50% of your sales are still gonna come back to Amazon. And so- Nailed it. You got it. You got to experiment and just see what works. Throw a bunch of stuff at the wall. See what sticks. Brett, anything else you would add on? You know, it's perfect. And one thing that, that you know, you, you just mentioned, and I may have mentioned a couple of times, I didn't talk a whole lot about Facebook or Instagram. I'm a huge believer in both. I just didn't dive as deep there because that's not where I play. You know, we have other partners and things that we talk to there. So I just I want to focus more on the areas that I know through and through. But uh, yeah, we're, we're big believers in, in Facebook and Instagram, too. Awesome. I love that, Brett. All right, Brett, now it's time for your final three questions. So first, what is the most influential book that you've read and why? Yeah, so, you know, this may be obvious or this may be a common answer or whatever, may not be very creative, but but for me, it is the Bible. I'm a person of faith. And so like that's shaped me from the time I was a teenager to now, like still go back to it. And so so I got to say the Bible for sure. Uh, but I, I'm going to I'm going to cheat the question a little bit, Josh, because I can't really narrow it down to just one. Uh, when you, if you want to talk business books or other books that have, that have influenced me, another one recently is Discipline is Destiny by Ryan Holiday. Awesome, awesome book about how to live a disciplined life and how to deal with difficult things and how to grow. It's, it's fantastic. And then my favorite book on communication is called Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath. So I gave you three. I know you asked for one. I gave you three, but those, those are my three. I love it. I love it. You're always adding so much extra value. <laughs> Can't help it. The man who continues to give. (laughs) All right, Brett. Question number two, what is a new uh, software or productivity tool that you've recently discovered that you think is a game changer? Yeah, I love a tool called Sunsama, S-U-N-S-A-M-A. It is a to-do management 
software. And so basically it, it works with ClickUp, which ClickUp is our project management software. We use at OMG. And so I love Sunsama just in the way it gives you kind of a calendar view, a task view. You can create, you know, backlogs and objectives and things like that. Just very intuitive. Uh, I will say, I think the mobile app needs work, which is kind of a big deal, but uh, I'm still doing most of my work on, on desktop. So the desktop app is fantastic, but Sunsama, if you're using ClickUp and you don't, you know, if you do most of your to-do stuff on uh, desktop, then I think it's a thumbs up. Awesome. I have not heard of that tool and I, we are ClickUp users. So you've piqued my out. interest. I like it. All right, Brett, last question. Who is somebody that you admire or respect the most in the e-commerce space that others, others should be following and why? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that I like. You know, I love, you know, Nick Sharma and Moise Ali, founder of Native. Uh, Moise is, is a friend. We go way back. Um, one that I think, you know, maybe some people aren't listening to is um, uh, uh, Jason Goldberg. And so he, he runs a podcast called The Jason and Scott Show. Uh, uh, Scott Wingo and Jason Goldberg. They, they, uh, I love that podcast. It's all about like e-commerce news and trends and shopper news and stuff like that. And so that's been one of my go-tos just to, to see like they did. And one really cool thing to do is they do a breakdown of like Amazon's earnings and they do a breakdown of Walmart's earnings. And they, they talk about big IPOs. They talked about the Instacart IPO and stuff like that. So for me, that's, that's a podcast that I love and I'm an auditory learner. So I'm listening to podcasts all the time. But the Jason and Scott show, Jason Goldberg, he's one that maybe you're not following that you should. I love it. I, that is an, another new one. You've just been dropping knowledge and value bombs <laughs> all along the way here yes. today. That's awesome. Brett, this has been so much fun. Thanks again for joining us. If other people want to follow you, want to learn more, want to learn more about your services, where can people find you and, and continue to follow you? Yep. Uh, best place is to go to our website, omgcommerce.com. Uh, click on the Let's Talk button if you want to request a strategy session or kind of dig in. We also have free resources under the resources session. We got like top YouTube ads guide and Amazon DSP guide and a number of others. And then I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So if you want to follow me on LinkedIn, we can kind of continue the conversation there. Uh, or I do have a podcast, e-commerce evolution podcast. Josh, you've been on there. You've been on there two times. Twice. Yeah. 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 Um, so check out e-commerce evolution, have some awesome guests on there. So check that out as well. Well, I encourage all of our listeners to go follow along with what you're doing, because as as you can see today, our conversation could go on for multiple hours. Uh, <laughs> Brett's got a, a wealth of knowledge, so much experience. And so highly recommend you follow him and whatever platform you choose. But Brett, thanks again for your time today. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Had a ton of fun. Thank you for listening. Visit ecombreakthrough.com for more information. If you've enjoyed today's episode, the best way you can show your appreciation is by clicking the subscribe button and quickly leaving a review. See you again next time.